Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Some quick announcements before we jump into this interview. First off, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been giving me such positive feedback on my newsletter. For my longtime followers, you have all witnessed the constant evolution of my blog and my podcast and my ideas. And I'm, I'm really happy to say and I'm really grateful that it seems like I've, I've finally found um, a good routine and a good format and a good template to uh, provide you with all of my content. So we got the blog post, we got the the weekly podcast, and now we got this newsletter that's going out every Tuesday, and and uh, the feedback has been really, really positive. So just wanted to say thank you to everybody who replied to those emails in which I was asking questions. However, we still don't have a good name for the newsletter. If you uh, go to timstodds.com slash newsletter and you look at the more recent post, and, and I'll put this post in the show notes of this podcast, I challenged everybody to help me come up with a name for the newsletter. I got some uh, kind of ridiculous responses. However, I don't think any of them were really, uh, some were good and, and some were creative, but none of them, none of them felt right to me. Uh, it, it didn't quite capture the ideals of what it is that I'm trying to do with this newsletter. So if you can come up with a good name, I send it out every Tuesday uh, it's a, a, a weekly curated newsletter on just some of the best resources and most fascinating articles and most helpful podcasts and interviews. It's, it's a one-stop shop for everything that can help you uh, just level up in your life and your business throughout the week. And if you win, if you provide me with the best name, I'm going to send you a free t-shirt. And uh, we got some other cool prizes and shit that'll, that'll get sent to you. So please help me out. You can email me at Tim at Stodzy, T-I-M at S-T-O-D-Z-Y dot com with some good ideas, and I would really appreciate it. All right, let's get into the interview. This week, I interviewed Johnny Naster. So John is someone that I have been following for years and years, and it was a real privilege to finally get to talk to him. Uh, Johnny is the host of the podcast Hack the Entrepreneur. And this simple podcast has grown to be a a truly, truly successful and helpful and valuable brand to tons of people across the country and and the world, frankly. Uh, We talked about some of the evolution of his brand. He, He started as a podcast and that podcast turned into a website and it turned into selling products. And then uh, he, he transitioned a little bit to creating an agency out of it and, and what that journey has been like for him. But, but, uh, Johnny was so cool. And this, this kind of turned into a little bit more of just a casual conversation about business and, and what it means to him to be on his own and, and, and what he thinks about the podcasting industry as a whole. So I loved this conversation. It was really cool to speak to Johnny. I'm just to kind of say again, I've really, really looked up to him and his work for years. So this was a real privilege for me. I know you're going to love this podcast. He's, he's a real pro. There's so much value in this episode. And uh, yeah, let's jump into it. Please help me welcome my friend, Johnny Naster. Hey, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I really appreciate your time. Hey, um, my pleasure, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Great. So we're going to jump right into this. I have been following your podcast for for years. I don't even know how long. Um, you, in my view, at least, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's others that have <laughs> come before you, obviously, but you really in the entrepreneurial space, uh, I consider really one of the pioneers on using audio content, on using podcasting, on using interviews to grow your own brand, uh, your own personal brand more probably closely defines it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm really curious as to discover where the catalyst for this was, for being such an early adopter of podcasting. Like, when was the moment where you decided that 
I'm going to do this. Did you hear somebody else do it and, and pull some inspiration from it? Or was it just sort of something that you felt more comfortable doing yourself? I was forced into it, Tim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a story. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I started, I think it's like five and a half years ago now, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Um, which is kind of insane. Um, but right, actually right around now, um, it was like late February, early March. Uh, my family and I, we were just wrapping up two months in Asia. Um, we were just on vacation there. Uh, and it wrapped up with this tiny little gathering. It was a conference, I guess, um, that is now hundreds of people uh, in a, and in a different country. But Chris Ducker uh, oh, okay. had his first tropical think tank. Um, and there was 20 of us, I believe, with the speakers. Um, and so I went to that. And in that, uh, we had like a mastermind day. So we sat at tables with different people uh, and I was just stuck. I was selling uh, software at the time and I, it was fun. I got to travel and stuff, but I, I kind of wanted to like get out there. Um, I was like behind the scenes, right? Uh, I mm -hmm. was like the marketing guy um, selling software and I just kind of wanted to do something different. I wanted a new challenge, I guess. I got kind of bored of doing what I was doing. Uh, and it happens that Pat Flynn and John Lee Dumas were both there. Uh, and so both of them, when they heard this, they both are like, you have to start a podcast. And I was like, no, I don't. Absolutely not. Uh, I hate the sound of my voice and I've never interviewed anybody in my life. So let's talk about something else. And they just kept on me. Uh, and my daughter, who was, I think, seven at the time, um, her and Pat and her and John actually both hit it off. Um, and we were there for like a week together in this resort, all of us. So um, her and Pat ended up talking a whole bunch. And so Pat actually ended up getting our address and sent us the podcast gear that I'm actually talking on right now um, for her and I to start podcasts when we got home. Wow. <laughs> so when we got home, this was sitting on the doorstep. Uh, and then I just like put it aside for like three or four months. And then just during the summer, I was just like, screw it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to interview 30 people that I want to talk to really badly and, and just going to go continue on with software. Uh, but it kind of didn't work out that way. Uh, and now here we are five and a half years later. I, okay, I have to take a second to deviate a little bit because um, I want to keep rolling with that. But you said something in there that I really, really relate to. Um, and you kind of smoothed over it, but you said you hate the sound of your voice. And uh, when I was growing up, I, I was in speech class for years and years and years. I, I couldn't say ours. Um, I've trained myself pretty well to do it, but you know, I would, I would really, really struggle. Like, for instance, if I wanted to say mirror, like, you know, a, a thing that you look into, I'd say like mirror and I just, I couldn't get it. Um, and I think I've had some just weird fears and anxieties about speaking to people my whole life since then. So this whole exercise of podcasting and talking to people has been almost just as much um, like a challenge for me, you know, like I still get really nervous when I'm about to interview people and, and when I'm about to talk to people. And it's been like, a little bit conquering for me in a way to, to kind of step up to that. When, when you said you hate the sound of your voice, is that just something, I guess what I'm asking is that was, was that a legitimate fear that, that you went into with it? Or was that just sort of something that you're like, nah, I don't really want to do it. I don't like the sound of my voice. Like, did it affect you or did, was it fleeting? Uh, no, it was a legitimate fear. I mean, listen to the sound of my voice. <laughs> but he like, so Tim, I've since realized, uh, I mean, I, I went into the whole um, showrunner thing with, um, yeah. with <laughs> you know, um, I did all that. And with that so guy? with the other guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so doing that, and so, and so dealing and helping other people start podcasts, I've, I've now realized that this is like 100% natural. It's actually scientific, um, scientifically proven why we don't like the sound of our own voice because it like, it, it reverberates or something differently, obviously within our own heads. Um, and so the way we hear ourselves talking is different when we hear it played back and we don't get that with other people because we only hear it played back to us sort of. Um, yeah. And so that, that totally, it makes sense now, but, but at the time it was, it's funny because I also had a, this like ingrained sort of 
um, this ingrained feeling or thought that I also couldn't write when I started. Like mm-hmm. I just wasn't a writer. I'd been told by by teachers all my life, like you just you're never gonna like you don't know your grammar. Uh, you don't know like you'll you're just this isn't for you kind of thing. And and I was like totally convinced of that and that was fine um but with the with the voice like i had i i I, i'm in bands right i've been in bands my whole life Uh, i play drums but every once in a while there'd be something where even if we're like in a studio recording and i do a drum track and then i talk afterwards and that gets played back to me while we're like mixing it before they cut it out it's like oh my god i hate that like it was weird it just like it had been something i had heard my voice a fair amount of times that I was really just put off by it. Uh, and that really had, that really had me convinced that I couldn't or I wouldn't be able to do it. And I shouldn't do it because uh, people on podcasts typically sound, sound, sound good, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I guess it's just so interesting to hear that because when I, I remember driving to my office every morning and, and I would put your show on and I would just think to myself, man, he must be, he must have been doing this forever. You know, like the show is, is so natural and uh, it seemed like you had your questions lined up. And so I guess hearing it from you talk about how you kind of had these, these fears and these insecurities about doing a podcast. And on my end, it's like, wow, this guy's a real pro. Um, it's, isn't it always that way where it's like, no, I'm just a guy just like everybody else. And, and everybody has to kind of face these hurdles when they, when they start these challenges. Yeah. And I mean, I would like, I wouldn't call myself a pro now, but I mean, it could be debated whether I'm more into the realm of a quote unquote pro at it. Like, Cause I've, I've myself with hack the entrepreneur, I've recorded almost 500 episodes at this point. Yeah. Like I've been doing it a lot now. So not that I'm a pro, but I mean, I'm getting close to that 10,000 hour mark if that's what yeah. it takes. Um, but you're absolutely right in the fact that, yeah, we're talking five and a half years later. And so it's easy for me to say that. And we always get this assumption that, when we're talking to people who have been doing something for a long time or they have a huge audience or whatever it happens to be, it's like they've always done that. Like I was somehow born podcasting, which doesn't make any sense. I was freaked out by it, like absolutely just terrified when I started. (laughs) Um, But also, Tim, I do have to say that I think that a re- like looking back, a reason why my show kind of worked in, in the way that it did um, and maybe why um, it could have came across as somewhat natural, even though I was terrified and I'd never interviewed anybody. Uh, I'm truly, truly, truly fascinated by the conversations. Uh, and I was so excited and so ready to do those 30 people. I just immediately wrote down this list of I want to talk to these 30 people. I've always wanted to talk to these 30 people. And I just want to talk to them about business. I want to talk to them about creating stuff and like about living this life the way they do it and why the hell they choose to do that. Um, and that just truly was, it was like me getting to sit down with really, really smart people that I wanted to talk to and just have a really cool conversation. The reason I got to do it was because I was hitting record to put it on a podcast that hadn't even launched yet by the time I finished interviewing all those people. But it was, so to me, that part is natural. Um, I didn't like just try and find a market that I could be part of. Mm. Um, I, I truly, truly was fascinated. It was either it was either going to be these business conversations or I was going to have to talk like punk rock or something with um, people because of the two things that I'm truly fascinated about and I can sit down and chat about. Well, who who were some of those people? What are some of the more memorable interviews that you did? Some of the more memorable interviews that I did? Um, I wish I had this original list. I mean, if I went back now, it's been a long time. I know Chris Brogan was my very first interview, uh, and he was also the first episode I put out. Um, And I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. (laughs) You can get there. It's on my website. You can go listen to it if you want. It's really bad. Um, And then (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think. Uh, Oh, what's his name? The guy from – he created Breather now. Um, Breather. He's he wrote a book. Actually, he wrote books, two books with with Chris Brogan, um, Julian Julian Smith, um, and he had also co-written a book with Seth Godin at that time, like a little pamphlet book. And he's a Canadian guy, um, and he was like my second interview. Um, so there was those ones, I guess. Um, and then I'm trying to think. Brian Clark was actually one of my first thirty um, that was on the list. Although actually, I didn't. That was a lie. So I didn't actually. 
I recorded 20 of those 30 before we launched. Um, Brian actually didn't get onto the show for like seven or eight months um, for some reason uh, with some weird miscommunication. Uh, And then like Seth Godin was on that original list. I didn't get him, I think, till about one year in or so, um, which was cool because he responded the first time, like instantly to my email. And he was just like, that sounds awesome, man. How about get back to me when you hit episode 50 or something, which I'm like, at the time was like, what? Now it's like totally makes sense because uh, most people don't get that far. So yeah. he was kind of like put in some work. And so I did. And when I got back to him, I was like, hey man, I'd like you to be episode number whatever. He was like, yeah, absolutely. And we did it. Um, so it's, it's hard um, to remember all the other ones, but, <laughs> but they're there. And I did yeah. get to actually talk to all of them at this point. So it's pretty cool. That is really cool. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit back to the, the think tank conference and, and you talk to Pat Flynn and you, you talk to, um, you talk to John and you, you had this moment where you said, I'm going to go ahead and do this. But what, what I've always been curious about is when did you decide to make hack the entrepreneur its own brand with its own products? Um, I, I guess I just assumed that that was always the case, but, when I was speaking to you, you had mentioned that you were still selling software and, and they were kind of on, on two separate lanes. You know, w- was there a moment when you decided that I'm all in on this, I'm all in on, on creating my own brand and, and building an audience and, and trying to make a business out of it? Yes. It was about 90 days after launching. I think I launched like September 5th or something. Um, for some reason, I remember that date uh, being the one. Um, and... The way it went, I mean, again, this was five and a half years ago. The, the podcasting world was a different space. Um, the, the competition wasn't nearly as fierce. There was a lot of people coming on to listen and not a lot of people yet creating stuff. So you could kind of take off. Um, so it, it, like the first month I launched, I think I had like 3,000 downloads or something. I was like, whoa, that's awesome. So yeah. cool. Next month was like 30 something thousand. I was like, oh, geez. And then it went like up to, I think it was like 80,000 or so. And it was like, what? I was like, at the time, Tim, I was living in a city called Thunder Bay, um, like a little tiny isolated place that has like 90,000 population. I was like, wow, this is almost the same amount of people that live in this damn town that I'm reaching out a month, um, like from absolutely nothing. Like nobody knew who I was. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And so it came to this point, it was right there at the end of that third month where I, I just, I, like I went for a walk and I was like, okay, this seems like one of those sort of forks in the road. Um, I'm absolutely of the mind and of the thinking that I, I, I know I regret or I'll regret not doing things more than I'll regret doing them. Yeah. Um, like I don't want to look back and be like, whoa, how far could I have pushed that? And so I was like, here it goes. I'm going to do it. One year I'll give myself and I'll see. If I'm still digging it and it's still going well at the end of one year, then cool. And so I got rid of the software, um, like got out of that business and just went full into Hack the Entrepreneur. Um, then it was sort of like right after that, then I started writing for entrepreneur.com and all these things sort of started happening. Then I got like hooked up with Copyblogger doing things and it was it just sort of kept going. And so I just kept pushing it. Um, and I was doing three episodes a week at that point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause sponsorships had already come in. I believe it was like sometime in the middle of the second month, fresh books reached out to me and just started sponsoring. They sponsored me for years. Um, and actually they just started this year again, um, which is really cool. Um, sponsoring. So, um, yeah, it was just one of those points, Tim. And I just decided that I didn't want to have to look back and be like, huh, I wonder if I could have pushed that any further. Like, well, I knew I could have pushed it a little bit further, but I didn't know how far. So I just decided, eh, let's try it out and let's just see where this can go. Um, I still didn't know anything about content marketing. I didn't even know that's what I was doing at the time. Yeah. Um, it was just this whole thing of like sort of figuring out, like, I mean, I knew how to market stuff and I knew like, I mean, there was sort of marketing think obviously put into my show. Like I tried to find a gap in the marketplace, like that was there. So I knew where it could be. Like the whole mindset thing wasn't really covered in podcasts at that point. It was all tactics. And so I was like, well, tactics are cool, but let's, I want to know why people are doing this. Like they're thinking behind it. So I filled that gap. Now there's a ton of shows like that, um, which there should be. Um, but it's, 
it, it, it's so it, it, it was accidental yet at the same time deliberate in the sense that I did choose to do it at that fork as I sort of visualized it. Um, but I, there was no sort of like, here's my grand, grand plan of all of this. It just sort of kept rolling and snowballing. I love how you just mentioned that you wanted to get involved with the thinking of it because I, I guess I didn't even realize it at the time, but, uh, that really was like the gap that you filled. All of the podcasts were very like instructional um, because it, it sounds so crazy to think, you know, five and a half years ago, such a long time ago, but the whole podcast industry has had such a quick evolution that it's, it's amazing to think that just five and a half years ago, there weren't a whole lot of shows that had the format that yours do where you actually try to get into the mindset and like, learn about the experience and learn about the journey um, and, and, you know, find that, that hack, which you, you built your show around. Um, so, so that really was, whether you did it on purpose or accidental or, or maybe stumbled into it, I, I think that, that that totally was the, the, the lane that you filled. And I think that's probably why I gravitated towards your, towards your show so much as well. So, so on that note, like we mentioned the evolution of podcasting and, um, as somebody like yourself who's been in this for for such an amount of time, what do you think? I'm going to leave this question really open ended. Like, how do you feel about this growth of podcasting? Do you see it as good for everybody? Do you see it as almost like unfortunate that there's such saturation in the audio market now? Everybody can basically start a podcast and say something. What? What do you think the future of all of that is? The future of it or what I think of it now? Well, uh, I want to hear what you think of it now. But when I, when I say the future, like, do you think it's a positive thing or do you think it's a negative thing? So the way I see it, Tim, is I, I see it as like pirate radio stations um, from like the 80s and stuff that people, and I wasn't part of that, but it, it, I've, I've read about it and things and it was really sort of fascinating and college radio when it was really big. Like you could just, if you had the gear, um, you could put out your stuff, you could put out your content, you could talk about what you wanted and you could share it, but you could only share it with like a very, very specific geographic area. Uh, and to me, podcasting, um, is like that. So I, I'm absolutely for everybody having a show if they want one. Mm. Um, absolutely. Um, good shows, there still are going to be tons of good shows that just never get heard, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, and there's going to be a bunch of shows that are really big because that person was already popular, um, which I see that sort of going more and more like that. It's just sort of an extension of people's brands. Mm -hmm. And that's fine too. Um, because of the value of obviously audio content on demand like this, there are, there have been companies trying to come in and sort of lock things down um, and they'll keep trying, I'm sure. I really hope that we can manage to fight it off because I think, uh, I think it's an essential medium. Um, I think that we've never had the potential like we do now, like to the fact where I could record in a basement of a house, like literally in the middle of nowhere um, and reach people all over the world. And like, it's, it's, completely it's taken my family like around the world and stuff this podcast at this point like that's insane um we can live wherever we want and we've moved several times since i've started it um it's to me that's fascinating um and i hope that we never lose that and i hope that we actually continue lots of us to actually fight for that and to keep that freedom because it's super super important to me um and so this is like all aside from like a business sort of standpoint of podcasting obviously this is like Philosophically, I feel like it is um, a really, really valuable and powerful medium that we should hold on to. Um, and it's, it's amazing because there really are no gatekeepers for it. Um, I mean, you, you, you have iTunes and stuff, but they're just, they're only distribution platforms. Yeah. They don't even host your stuff. So they're not really a gatekeeper. They just allow you to get found if you want. Um, but really, you don't even need to host it there if you didn't want to. So you can just, anybody with any ideas, nobody can tell you what you can say, what you can't say, what you can do, what you can't do. That's, that's pretty fascinating, pretty amazing. Um, again, not that everybody necessarily needs to start one, but the fact that anybody could at any point, like anybody listening right now could literally just press stop on this and go record into their iPhone if they want and start making their own show. That's amazing. Um, and I really, really, truly hope that we 
continue to value that as like a, I guess a society or as even like just part of the podcasting sort of movement. If we, um, not like the capital podcast movement, like that thing, <laughs> just like us as like people as podcasters, I hope we do strive to keep it um, as free as possible. And when these new apps come out with like, VC capital behind them and they try and like make it like membership only and this is where things mm. are going to be and we're going to inject ads into your stuff it's like no no we don't need that it's not needed it's absolutely not <laughs> like anybody at any point we can reach anyone in the world um ourselves we don't need those kinds of things we don't need this stuff to be locked down the very nature of a podcast to me is free it's just that's how it is um you need to monetize it in other ways um but it's not really to me a podcast if um, if you're trying to lock it down in those ways. I, I totally agree. And you went to exactly where I was trying to lead you with that question, where um, since it's getting big, bigger corporations are going to get involved. But to me, like the thing that I always loved about it is, is exactly how you explained it. Explained it. Just it's this free platform where anybody and anybody can say anything. And if they should or not, isn't really up to me. Um, I've been having this conversation with my father. My dad is a paramedic in Philly. He's, he's been a Philly paramedic for like 20 years. And um, he's obviously seen some things and um, is getting kind of involved with like mental health stuff with paramedics after, you know, all the stuff that they go through. And so I said, Dad, just start recording stuff on your phone and start telling some of these stories. And then you can put it out on a podcast. And I think that particular example um, can be true for anybody, like regardless of what it is that they have to talk about. So I totally agree. Um, all right. I want <clears throat> to transition a little bit more into some of the specifics of Hack the Entrepreneur and, and get a little bit more technical because over the last five and a half years, I've seen your brand evolve kind of two or three different times. Um, there's there's two routes I want to take. The first is of just product development. Uh, I want to learn from my own curiosity because I'm, I'm pretty good at building brands. I'm pretty terrible at building products. And um, so, so my first question is, when did creating an actual product of your own become something that you decided to do? And how did you decide on the products that you created? That's a good question. So the first product I created, Tim, uh, was actually the showrunner, um, the showrunner podcast and the showrunner podcasting course. Um, and that wasn't my idea. <laughs> Just plainly put. <laughs> um, that goes back to Brian Clark, who you know, um, yeah. and he was on my show, as I said, six or seven months into it. Literally right as we hit stop on the record, we kept talking. Um, he said that they're coming out with this Rainmaker podcast network um and he was wondering he said it would be cool to have like a show that isn't part like an in-house um copy blogger product and would i like to have my show in there he's like yeah absolutely sounds awesome and then a week or so later he just like randomly um messaged me and said have you ever thought of creating a podcast about podcasting and maybe teaching people how to podcast? I was like, I've never thought of that not once. <laughs> um and apparently Jared and I guess there'd been lots of questions by the copy blogger community about podcasting. And there was this sort of this plan with this Jared Morris guy um, who I failed to mention earlier. Um, but, and so he was getting ready to sort of launch something. And Brian literally just like emailed the two of us together at one point. It's like, Hey, I think you guys could do something really good together. And that was it. Um, so we created, we literally launched the podcast like almost right away. They had sort of the branding already around it. Um, we started talking about podcasting and as we were doing that, it was about a month and a half or so we were creating the product and then we launched it. Um, so I can't take credit for that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I helped, uh, create like, well, I obviously helped create the product and like mapped it out and like what we were going to create, but the idea and like the market we were going to be serving, um, was sort of there for me. Mm. Um, so, and then the next product that I, the, the product that I actually created would have been my book, um, which just became, just like asked it over and over again, like, oh, do you have a book with like all the hacks in them or something? Uh, and so I decided to just like put it together. So I got like an editing team. We just started compiling things. Um, and then rather than just making it that, I decided to like rewrite parts and like turn it into like a sort of five step sort of book and then the whole process. Um, and then that 
sold really, really, really well for me. Um, so I, that, that was just, to me, that just felt like a natural extension. Um, and not that that's necessarily how you should pick what products to sell. And you don't always even get that. But um, in that case with the book, um, it, it was just, it seemed so logical um, and people were just asking for it. Plus it's a really low price tag, obviously. So it's easy to sell. Um, and that's what we did. And then there was just a whole marketing plan behind it and stuff. Yeah. But those are the, that's what I've been dying for is having everybody just tell me what it is that they want. <laughs> you know, like that's, it's never know, happened to me again. So <laughs> no, so, no so that's, that's why I mean, like, don't wait for that. I'm just saying somehow uh, I got lucky and, and I don't want to be that guy on the show being like, yeah, just wait till everyone will start telling you. It's like, no, it's never happened to me again in five years. It's just, it happened once and I just ran with it. Um, and also it was sort of something I'd been thinking about for a long time. Like once I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. It was kind of like, okay, I'll do it. It was kind of like starting the podcast, right? I got all the gear, but then I didn't actually start for like three months. Um, and then it was like, I remember it being like September, I got through the summer and then I was like, screw it. And we literally, I um, hired somebody to do like the launch with me um, and we literally mapped it out and I was like, December or whatever, like, or November something. It's like, we picked an exact date. I'm like, I'm launching the book then. Hadn't even started writing it. So it was kind of like, I forced myself within, I think it was six or seven weeks to actually like create the entire book um, and then get it into the design phase. Um, because I knew I would just lose interest otherwise and stuff. So, um, so yeah, it, it, now it, now it makes sense perfectly, but, um, I wouldn't recommend anybody else waiting, um, until well, people just sort of tell you. So then if, if you, if you took, you know, like an informal audience survey to create your first product and you said that that hasn't happened again, what's been your process to develop your, your next products? Would you did you go into those a little bit more nervous that it, it wouldn't work? Did you still feel confident in that process of, of launching a product? Like again, for myself, like my own curiosity, that's always where I get stuck. I, I think, yeah, this could work. This could work. This could work. But actually focusing in on this is the direction that I'm, I'm going to take my brand. Like how, how have you, how have you gone for that? And said, <laughs> just like before, like, screw it. I, I'm going to go for this. What did that take? So I, um, more recently, I'm going to say it was probably a year and a half ago. Um, this to me is a more um, scientific approach, if you will, mm -hmm. Tim, um, which is I now have a quiz on my site. Um, you can do it. It's, it's sort of pops up and it's advertised everywhere. It's like a free quiz just to figure out what kind of entrepreneur you are. Um, and people go through six questions, I think, or eight questions. And I get very specific answers about who they are, where they're at, and what they want help with from me. Because it literally is set up for that. Um, and so I just get like 30, 40, 50 people a day filling this out. And I can go in and look at the data from thousands of people now. Um, exactly like I can see like, wow, 86% of the people are like in the getting their first like 100 customers or something. You know what I mean? Like it's, I, and I know how old they are. I know what they do for a living now or if they're doing it full time, all those kinds of things. Um, and so it does make it a lot easier. So it's kind of just, it's, it's to me, it's just um, an automated ongoing process of asking your customers what they want. Um, and I really started to do that as like, I started focusing on SEO. Um, and so my audience started to change. Um, the podcast doesn't drive my traffic anymore. Um, wow. it's like, it, it's that. completely overwhelmed by organic search. Um, and so it was like, I need to figure out who these people now were that are finding me. Some of them, some of those people come in organically and then they listen to the podcast, which is cool, but, um, it's not the big push for traffic at this point. Um, it's just been overcome by that. And so I wanted to figure out who these new people are. Um, and then it's interesting, like it, it helps us dictate like our editorial calendar and what we're going to write um, because we see sort of what articles are getting what people. And then if we don't, it's like, eh, it's not really the person I want to be like working with. So we have to sort of direct our content around who it is we're trying to find. That's a, that's a perfect segue. I, I took, um, it was almost like a year, maybe more than a year to stop listening to business and entrepreneurship podcasts just because I was, felt like I was getting too wrapped up in it. And uh, I decided to 
start again. And the first show that I put on um, was your interview with uh, Brian Dean from backlinko.com. And I have never asked you this directly. I mean, obviously, it's the first time we're talking, but I saw an instant transition after that um, episode. And I think even the blog post you wrote around that article was like really SEO'd, really specific. I'm going to get this wrong, but it was something like how to rank number one, how to rank on the first page of Google with Brian Dean. And I always got the feeling that that experience was the next evolution in your brand when you saw this opportunity, you saw this new way of doing things and you, you decided to become a search expert and like, man, you, you really have positioned yourself that way. So a first question, am I completely making that up where that interview with Brian Dean was um, like a, a launching point for you? And two, how, how is this new search business going for you? So yes, that was a turning point. Yeah. Um, I mean, historically, there's, there's one or two articles before that that we had, um, that we've been trying things like with SEO sort of in mind, but sort of still figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and then I happened to meet in Toronto here, Brian, um, a month or so before that interview. Um, and we just started talking and then came up with this idea to do that. Um, so then, yeah, I did keyword research, literally did keyword research to come up with the topic we were going to specifically cover and how we were going to cover it um, to go completely against how I said, I just talk about like mindset and not tactics. That is a hundred percent tactics. Um, and I actually do do those now more often because uh, people do really like them as well. Yeah. Um, but that was like, like, I mean, if you know Brian and anybody listening, I mean, if you read his stuff, he does not, he's not about mindset, this guy. He's about like, here's how to freaking do this. Um, and here's specifically how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I wanted from him. Uh, and so, I mean, it's transformed everything that I do yeah. um, because I just, I know how to do it now. I, I, I totally get SEO. It makes sense to me. Um, and then, all right, this is going to be, this is, this is again, totally Go contradicting myself, Tim. Um, I, I'm now like an SEO consultant. Um, we have like a team that does it for clients. Um, <laughs> And this was totally accidental. Um, well, no, not like like building a team around it and stuff was, again, I, I sort of reached this point in a road, but taking on clients for SEO work, literally just, it happened over like a, just like a year and a half period, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just literally like, I don't have, a, didn't have an offer, nothing for it. And it was just like, like a listener would just like email me or reply and like, oh, I'd be like, do you help people do this sort of stuff? And I just like, no, I don't know. I don't know. And finally it was like, yeah, let's try it. And then it was like, and then I would like do that for a few months and then I'll suddenly take another client and I was like, oh, interesting. Um, it wasn't until I believe it was December, it was either December or November of last year. So just like a couple months ago that I actually put up an SEO offer for the first time ever on my site, um, yeah. telling people that I actually do it. Um, and so now we have seven clients, I believe, um, right now, which is what our limit is for the moment. Um, and so it's going well, it's fun. Um, and that was, so that was like the book, I guess <laughs> when I said like, don't wait for that. Yeah. Um, it, it does, it, it, it does happen sometimes too. And I mean, you do need to be sort of be aware of it or be looking out for those things. Cause sometimes it can just be like, Oh, just whatever, just say no to them. And, but then it's kind of like, you don't pay attention to the pattern. Um, but that pattern was there. And so I decided that, ah, again, um, in, June of this year was when I actually put a team around it. Still didn't have that offer, obviously. But I was like, screw it. I'm going to actually like hire some people. We're going to do this for real. I was like, let's just see where we can take this whole agency thing. Um, more in like a, I'm going to say like a boutique sort of agency in the sense that we're not just taking in clients all the mm-hmm. time. We basically just sort of open up windows every couple months um, to take in one or two clients at a time. So, but it's going well. I love that story. That's, that's basically exactly how it happened to me. I, uh, I, 10 years ago, I, I started blogging, basically. My, my journey has a lot to do with getting involved in like the addiction recovery space. And so I, I have a lot of content online around helping people that are, are struggling with some of those kind of things. And after doing it for three years, you start looking at 
how are people getting to my site? You know, and then I, I just randomly found myself getting emails from uh, businesses in, in the healthcare space saying, Hey, how did you build this brand? Hey, how are you driving this kind of search traffic? And I very much like you just sat back in my chair one day and I thought, huh, like, I wonder if I could specialize in this really, really, um, I don't know if boutique is the word, but you know, specific, uh, industry or vertical. And that's, that's how it started. And, and ever since for me, I've had such an appreciation for search for like the, the science and even the, the problem solving aspects of it, because in SEO, there's a really scientific specific follow these instructions and you'll do okay. But then when it comes to link building, there's really no manual. I mean, there's tips and tricks, but you just have to kind of figure it out. You just have to go get these links somehow. And that really appeals to the salesman side of me. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it. Like I, I feel so lucky every day that I get to wake up and I just get to do work that, that I really, really love. So I say that just sort of ask, um, now that you've seen both sides of this, you've, you've, you've done the podcasting, you've done the product development, which I think traditionally is seen a little bit more of like a, a scalable type business. And now you're doing the more boutique agency client services things, which obviously uh, can be just as profitable, if not more profitable, but it's like a different model. Mm -hmm. um, how would you compare these two which one has made you happier which one makes you more excited and and like how's it all going <laughs> uh, it's a good question so uh again contradicting myself um not from earlier in this conversation but in conversations i've had before uh i said i would never get into something that wasn't like software or digital wow, based. Really? yeah because i was just that's the that's where I was in. And you're right. It's like, it's almost infinitely scalable um, yeah. in an, in an amazing way. And that's really cool. Um, but right now, and for, again, I, I don't even try and kid myself, Tim, that like, uh, that I might be doing this in two years or three years or 10 years. And I might be, but if I could be doing three other things and that's totally just sort of what I do. And that's totally cool too. Um, I'm doing it until I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and I'm really, really, really digging it right now. Um, my clients are, my clients are bloody amazing. Um, I mean, the, the fact of picking clients the way we do, um, and in a very small scale, um, they're, they're it's like the relationship is really, really good. Um, and we only work on like six month contracts at a time. Um, two of the clients right now are like on their third, one of those. Um, so it's, it's amazing. Um, it's really cool in that way. Uh, and I use it to, I'm really using it to learn, sure. Um, to learn SEO in and to con and to actually convince myself that I can do SEO yeah. in a vast array of markets. Um, because I mean, to a certain degree, Tim. I mean, I was I was lucky or blessed in the way with Hack the Entrepreneur. I'd been doing it for years, and I had a ton of backlinks. I just didn't really know that there was a value to them. Um, and I had just been writing things like people typically tend to do, just sort of writing a blog post as I felt inspired. I'll just write and put it out there. Um, send my email list to it. It was great. Um, but once I started and like paying attention to it, and I like re-optimized my site, and then I started putting out actual targeted content it took off pretty quick because I kind of like, I mean, my site was already kind of old um, and it had a ton of backlinks. Um, so I wanted to like, be like, okay, cool. Let's, let's, I want to now do this in like completely different markets that I have no sort of position in um, to help me in that way. Um, and so it's helped me a lot in that way. That being said, Tim, um, starting just actually this year, um, we are already starting to like, um, we're starting to build other sites in other markets ourselves, um, basically with what we learn and we're just going to be building affiliate sites, um, on the side until, um, and then in the next year, I would say maybe a year and a half, um, those will just eclipse clients altogether and we'll just keep building those, um, because I just know how to do it now. Um, it totally just makes sense to me, SEO. Um, I've done it in like 
10 different markets completely random from each other. Um, and I've taken people from like no organic traffic to like, like just, you know, like thousands and stuff. It's like, it's, so it's something that my brain, um, I've been trying to understand this myself. So that's why I'm trying to think about this. Um, but I think it is just that sort of entrepreneur in me, Tim, where I'm using this. Um, I'm not using my, like, I'm not, not in that way, but I'm, I'm using it as an education. I'm using it to, to build a team around it. I'm using it to learn a lot. I'm using it I'm I'm benefiting my clients. Um, and then it's going to definitely go into it's because it, it's just how I am. It's kind of like, I mean, I, once I know how to do it and I have a team around, it's like, why am I, why don't I just build my own sites and just, you know what I mean? And there's just be in all different markets and we'll sell affiliate stuff. Um, and it does. So we actually started our first one last month. Oh, actually we were going to, so in December we um, had the team and, and we did a bunch of research brainstorming. We were going to pick our first market and we were starting like January 3rd or whatever the first day back. Um, but then actually over the holidays, um, I got an offer from somebody to partner with them in a 50, 50 way with a site that already exists. That's already doing really well. And then we're just shifting to a market that's sort of right beside it um, and selling affiliate products. Um, and I know the market's really big cause I'm, cause I just, I've seen his numbers of what he does. And so um, that's actually our first project for an affiliate site. And so, um, Rather than starting from scratch, we're doing that. Um, but we're going to be starting our first one from scratch um, next month in March. So that's kind of our plan. Yeah, that is so similar. And I think that is so cool. I, I like agencies because there's a very low barrier to entry. You know, as soon as you have a client, you're technically an agency. And if you can work your butt off and help somebody, um, I'm all for it. But basically exactly what you're doing is exactly what, what happened to us. It's almost like we serve our clients as well as we possibly can. And we do a, a great job and I, I would never take away from that, but it's almost like the team that you can build is this own little media slash marketing engine within itself. So you might as well use this, this asset of skills and knowledge and, and workforce and camaraderie and apply it to things that, you own. So what we just did, I guess, bragging on myself a little bit. Um, we just launched this website called moving local and it's basically a huge directory of all the moving companies in the country. And then it's a lead gen site because like we know local search. So if we, if we can gobble up all of these search terms for, you know, how do I move to from Fort Lauderdale to Nashville or something like that? Um, you can take the phone calls and then sell it to like, like a moving broker. So that's just, my own personal example of it sounds like the same exact um, methodology that you are applying uh, to your, your own future and your own business. And like, I, I really congratulate you on that. I, I'm just always a fan of when people take what they know and they build something for themselves around it. And, and that's what it sounds like you're doing. So interestingly enough, or not interesting, I'm not sure. It is to me. Um, I, I don't even like to me, um, so the, the, the way I think about it, um, I mean, it's exactly what you're doing. It totally makes sense. But actually the way I think about it is, um, my dad built houses and was like a contractor. Um, Ooh. and so I kind of grew up in that space. Um, and a very, very common thing in like the construction industry is that you typically always have a house you're building or a house that you're renovating, um, to sell and flip. Um, because you just you have extra materials, you have guys who have like a day or two off here and like you, you need to keep them employed anyways, you're paying them. And so they would just, you can just sort of shift your resources over to this thing and it just sort of like maximizes your resources. Plus at the time it makes you other income. And so to me, I literally just think of it that way. I was just like, I'm just SEO. I'm just building other people's sites. just basically like that. And I just, I have this team. So why don't we just also at the same time always have these other projects so that when there are those afternoons that they just don't have something they want to work on or something they have to work on right now, it's kind of like, Hey, go over here and hit the Asana tasks and just work on it. Um, so yeah. So all I'm saying is that's um, I, I do come from like the offline sort of business construction space in that way. So um, my, my framework for it is sort of just structured around that thinking. That's really cool. I cannot wait to see, where it goes. I can't wait to see what it is that you launch. Uh, hey, 
Johnny, I really, really appreciated your time. It was, it was great speaking to you. Uh, before we wrap this up, I know that you mentioned uh, some of these places, but, but make it official. Please tell everybody where they can find your website, if you're ever on Twitter, or if you have some contact information, where can people find you? Absolutely. Hacktheentrepreneur.com. It's the site um, that we've been talking about. There's email lists there if you want. There's SEO services if you want. Um, you can even go and track down. Actually, possibly, it varies. Obviously, it's SEO. Um, but you might be able to just Google, depending on where you are, um, how to get on the first page of Google. Um, in Google, and you might see that article we were talking about. It's mm -hmm. typically hovering around the first page, if not on it. So, um, And then the only social media I use at this point um, is Twitter. So John Naster, or at John Naster, J-O-N-N-A-S-T-O-R. I'm on there. Um, happy to chat. Happy to talk. Answer any questions you might have. Um, and yeah, that's about it, Tim. Sounds great, brother. I will be sure to put all those in the show notes. Hey, once again, I, I really appreciate your time. Just the the last thing is is me thanking you for all of your hard work. I, I really mean it where I said I've, I've been listening to you. I'm a fan. And I know we talked about this in email, but years and years ago, I wrote that article about uh, Steve Cam from Nerd Fitness because you interviewed him and I sent it to you on Twitter. And I think you replied or something. You said, this is a great article. And like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was so long ago, but it really, really made my day. I, I never forgot that. So, uh, oh, wow. so just extending some gratitude for all that you've helped me. I, I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And thank you. I appreciate it too. Fantastic. Um, all right, man. Well, we'll do this again soon. Talk later. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.